Well, the Tampa Bay Lightning opened their season Saturday night. They went from what looked to be a shutout loss to a shootout 2-1 victory over the Florida Panthers. We'll talk about that. And, uh, of course, the NFL, well, the Bucs were at a bye week. It could have been better for them. They got a little unlucky. The Panthers beat the Giants on a 63-yard field goal by Graham Gano on the final play of the game to go to 4-1. and one. The Falcons, however, they fell at Pittsburgh, and they are 1-4. A lot of trouble in Atlanta New Orleans, meanwhile, hosts Washington tonight on Monday Night Football. Of course, the Saints are also atop the division at 3-1. and one. Big weekend in college football. Florida beats LSU in a big statement win for Dan Mullen. Florida State, however, ugh, the trouble continues for Willie Taggart, even though they had a 20-point lead and they fall to Miami as, uh, as Willie and his, and his guys suffer kind of a brutal defeat instead of pulling off what would have been a stunning upset. In South Florida, Gets a school record 302 rushing yards from Jordan Cronkite. They beat UMass 58-42. We've got Major League Baseball playoffs and some drama and doubt surrounding Cubs manager Joe Madden. That's right. All that and more in this weekend edition wrap-up, I guess you would say, of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Before we get started on the podcast, I want to tell you about a special offer from our friend at uh, Continental Wholesale Diamonds, just for our listeners of Sports Day Tampa Bay. Andy at Continental Wholesale Diamonds wants you to have the best time ever when shopping at Continental. So, for our listeners, he's going to offer a limited time only 20% off. That's right, 20% off all jewelry purchases. So, whether you seek a statement piece like a gorgeous diamond necklace or maybe you're looking for that perfect engagement ring, Andy is going to give you his undivided attention. Um, he's going to give you some stunning wholesale prices. So, whether uh, if you just you know come in and uh, ask for Andy, tell him that we sent you, Rick and Steve, and he's going to pour you a nice scotch. He's going to tell you about the four seeds of diamonds. And believe me, if you go to Continental Wholesale Diamonds today, you get to score big with 20% off all your jewelry prices. You can't do better than that, folks. Andy's going to take care of you. It's where I shop, Continental Wholesale Diamonds. They're at 1715 Northwest Shore Boulevard, Suite 150, right next to the Penthouse Club. All right, so Steve, I had to do it. I had to uh, be a fan of uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. When I say fan, I'm actually a fan of my daughters being fans. My daughters have have not really followed organized sports or professional college sports. They're, they're still very young, nine and six years old, right? But at the end of last year, they got into the playoffs. My wife had some tickets. We went. They became Lightning fans, and now they're crazy about it. So the season opener came, and uh, my wife purchased tickets, and they were they were fired up. And I must tell you, uh, we had been at uh, Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals, of course, and they were shut out, as you know, and, and of course, Washington went on and, and won the Stanley Cup. And, and my oldest, who's at that age where she's really starting to understand the nervousness and the anxiety that you have as a fan, uh, was upset about that. And, uh, and and so, you know, and then not, not seeing a goal. So then we go to the opener, and we don't see a goal <laughs> for the longest time. <laughs> And it had been like nine and a half, I think, uh, uh, ten and periods. A, ten and fact. a half periods, as I tweeted, the long national nightmare is over. The Bolts have scored. Oh, my God. I was like, please. for You know, I like hockey, and I can I can enjoy and appreciate the finer points of the game even when, when there aren't goals. But, you know, the kids really want to see, you know, they want to see some action. So uh, I'll say this. That was one of the worst periods of hockey that I've seen the Lightning play. And for them to come out and do it in the first period of the season opener probably wasn't a good thing. I imagine that that locker room was a little lively uh, after the first period, don't you yeah, think? Yeah, the first period was pretty – now, you, you know, we were talking in the press box between periods there, and, and 
you know, Florida's a much better team than people think they are. Last year, they missed the playoffs by a point. They're, they're very similar to what the Lightning did a year ago. Had, got off to a horrible start of the season, put it together around December, January, made a heck of a run at the end, and finished one point short of the playoffs. They right. came in Saturday night as a team hungry of missing the playoffs the year before. And the Lightning did not match that intensity in that first period at all. No, they didn't. I mean, in fact, I mean, they had all the, the problem was they couldn't get it in their zone. I mean, they had all these turnovers in their own zone mm-hmm. uh, and way too much ice time for Florida. And look, let's just say it. I mean, <laughs> Andre Vasilevsky is one of the best players on the planet, okay? Yes. Uh, one of the best goaltenders I've ever seen. I think most people at, at this age, you know, it's rare for him to do what he's doing. Um, but he sa- he winds up saving what, what was it forty two shots I want to say something yeah something right like around that. that yeah they was they had over and, 40 and I mean shots. in the first period alone I I believe and, and again I'm trying to commit this to memory but I believe they were outshot I mean it was I, I think, think it was sixteen Florida had like sixteen to seven or something or thirteen six, to, was 13 it even six, that high like I that. don't even know that that the Lightning had that many shots yeah but in in any respect it was it was over fifteen shots that they had given up in the first period. And you're saying you're doing the math, and you're saying, is this guy going to face forty? Well, yeah, he did. He damn near faced about forty-five yeah, shots. By the time and the it, overtime happened, it was over forty. Yeah, it was over forty. So, um, look, he he did everything he could, and then some, to keep them in that. And then the second period, though, it was a market improvement. They came out, mm-hmm. they were they were flying, and they were playing really really well. The puck just um, didn't go in the net, and and I think they didn't. were guilty of overpassing a lot. I think. Yes. I think I think some of I think some of what happened Saturday night was first game. Crowd's mm-hmm. fired up. They're happy to be back, and you're trying to make the perfect play every time. You're and, trying to put on and, a show. In that second period, it, it was, you know, I mean, they played very well. They, I mean, they they flipped the, the stats from the you know first to second period from yes. scoring chances to shot attempts to p- puck possession time. They played a good second period. The puck just didn't go in the net. In the third period, no. there were so many penalties, it was a crapshoot. Right, right. And again, the penalty kill, which had been a problem a year ago, was was very, very good. Mm-hmm. Of course, that starts with Vasilevsky because they had some really good good looks uh, themselves during those power plays. But it breaks any momentum you had. To your point, you can't really get anything going. Well, I mean, um, the first know, part of the third period, when you're killing off three penalties in the first part of the third period, Stamkos, Kucherov are not on the ice. Yeah, your exactly. best two players are not on the ice when you're penalty killing. When you're going back to back to back penalty kills, and it wasn't quite that much, but. There was a lot of penalty kills right. there where you're just not getting your best players on the ice. So, And then when they finally get on the ice, they're not in rhythm. They're not – I mean, you know, part of hockey is, okay, you're Steven Stamkos. You're out there for your 45-second shift, but you know in about three minutes you're back out there again if, if, if it's even That's that right. long. That you get in that flow and that rhythm, and when you're sitting a bunch because of, of special teams plays, whether it's penalty kill or power play, depending on who you are, it can really mess you up. Yeah, no, it can. And and the stunning thing to me, and I, I did not anticipate this, but it happens, um, they get a shorthanded goal by Anthony Sorelli. And, I mean, that was – to say it was huge is an understatement, right, because it didn't look like they were going to score, uh, certainly in that situation. So um, that that changed the building. That changed the whole, I think, tenor of things. And then it was game on from that point on. Mm-hmm. And they got a little puck luck there. I mean, the – Florida was in the zone and hit the official, which then McDonough was able to grab the puck and pass it up to Sorelli, who made a great right. play, recognizing that it was a forward back playing defense on him, not a defenseman. So he made him wait it out. He kind of hit it off Barkov, which then went off Reimer and right back to Sorelli for him to score the right. goal there. It was a great play by him, understanding the situation in that. So, And then you go to overtime. The overtime was exciting. 
I thought both oh, teams. Oh God! I, look, I, you know, they great. didn't go all out in the overtime, but they were definitely taking some risk. They weren't taking the biggest risk of all, but it was it was exciting. Three on three, and ended up going to the shootout. J.T. Miller shootout goal. I, I think a little yeah, lucky there. I mean, you, they showed in real time, and you think it was in slow mo. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was the slowest penalty. I mean, Phil Esposito was up going. I've never seen someone take a penalty shot that slow. I heard Brian Engblom saying the same thing. Uh, you know that you have to speed it up just to see it in slow-mo i mean it was that slow and then it kind of went over the goalie and he and reimer stopped it but then kind of hit the goal post and then it it crawled up his arm a little bit and then he knocked it it almost like he knocked it in himself with his glove or something it was was, i mean that was it's more of a fluke goal but hey you take it and you win the shootout absolutely shootout two goals to one and then vasilevsky does what he does and and they get the they get the two points and everybody goes home happy including my two daughters who were like, hey, that was great. We got to see overtime. We got to see a shootout. And, uh, of course, you know, Vazzy is becoming, you know, one of the pulp culture stars, I'm sure, for a lot of young fans. Two things um, I took from the game is, one, you've got five days off to your next game. That's it brutal, been, It would have been way. bad to have been shut out. And then yeah. after the, your last two games last year in the playoffs and that, that you've got to sit on that for five days. I yeah. Mean, look, the Lightning have plenty to work on, and, and the coaches and the, and the tape's going to show what they have to work on. But coming out and having five days off is better with a win than a, you know. We talk about the Bucks. One of the worst things about the drubbing up in Chicago is you got to sit on that for two weeks, not one That's week, right. two weeks. That you're mm-hmm. sitting there going, "Oh man, that was awful." Yep. Uh, secondly, Your last impression. Secondly, outside Vasilevsky, who was phenomenal, I thought hands down the best player on the ice for the Lightning was Ryan McDonough. He was outstanding in that game. He had the most minutes, too, which rarely – Hedman generally plays the most minutes. It turned out that McDonough played, uh, you know, I think a minute more than Hedman did. But I thought he was absolutely outstanding making decisions with the puck, getting it out of the zone. Uh, just everything he did I thought was was absolutely outstanding. And I know some have criticized him and said, why did he get such a big deal from the Lightning? And, you know, <clears throat> some of the way he played down the stretch last year that, you know, some mistakes here and there. But I thought he was hands down the best player on the ice. Got to see their rookie a little bit too. He had a uh, a shot on goal that uh, Matthew Joseph shoots first. Yeah, and and Phil Esposito kept saying that over and over. He shoots, he shoots, and I kept thinking, don't get infected by Nikita Kucherov and Steven Stamkos. <laughs> Just keep doing what you're doing, kid. <laughs> it is so true though about Kucherov, who for all the world, I mean, you know, he's a brilliant, creative player and all that, but man, you'd like to see him. Just go ahead and take the shots and not not try to make thread the needle all the time, you know. You know, look, Kucherov's more than capable of making a fantastic pass, and he led the the team last year with sixty one assists. Stamkos right. last year, I think, had fifty nine assists. He's more than capable of setting up his teammates with beautiful, brilliant passes. Absolutely, but when you have shots that are that lethal, use it. Yeah. What are you What no are good. you waiting for? I mean, you know, look, there are situations. Yes, you're going to pass, but if you've got an open shot. Your shot is good. You're this, you're not a marginal player. You've got elite shots, both those players. Take them. Right. Use them. The more shots you put on the net, the more likely you're going to get goals. Right. What did you think of the atmosphere? What did you think of the building? I, You know, I thought at the beginning it was great. I thought they were kind of on their hands and, you know, they didn't going have in the second about. period. I, I yeah. You know, kind of near the end of the second period into the third, they were ready to explode, waiting for a reason yeah. to explode. Yeah, and, and when they get the short, you know, the, the penalty kills in the third hurt that. But when they got the goal in the third period, when they got the goal. Then it, yeah. the, the building exploded and became, you know, the Emily Arena we all know. But yeah, yeah, you know, I think it was just, uh, you, you know, and you the, know what's the first funny period was a little disappointing. Should... But it, you know, look, you have bad periods, and and like I said, I think Florida just came out. They were hungry. They they they're a very talented team. I mean, they're going to compete for 
you know, a playoff spot in the in the Atlantic Division. You know, I don't think they're going to finish top three. They're going to finish fourth, but they're going to compete for the top three. And they're a good team, and they missed the playoffs by a point last year. They just looked hungry in that first period. And Tampa Bay looked disjointed. They looked like they were just a little off on some of their passes. They couldn't couldn't quite get it out of the zone. They didn't skate it out of there ever. Yeah, I wonder and, if the ice uh, was a little choppy. I mean, you saw the way the passes were so errant at times and, and bouncing yeah. off sticks. I wonder how the ice was. I mean, it's it's always hard, you know, especially starting the seat. You know, the ice is fairly new. It hasn't been down, you know, for months, and it's – you know, it's hot outside and humid and, you know, you wonder if, if you know, if the ice was a little choppy and, and look, they're probably a little amped up for opening night too. I think that's part of it. I, I do. I think that the, there's such expectations and you introduce the whole team and the place is ready to go nuts and, and, uh, and you know, and then Miami comes out and scores fairly quickly um, and there's no answer for it. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, um, it, I mean, it was a horrific first period. I don't think anybody would have would have uh, said that, that that was a very good uh, good outcome for them. But it, what was a good outcome is that they were only trailing one to nothing because that mm-hmm. game could have gotten away from them really fast. Oh, absolutely. Well, we always talk in the playoffs, you know, that generally it's it's easier to start on the road. Not saying you want to because you want right. home ice advantage, especially for game seven. Sure. But sure. it can be easier to start on, on the road because there's not that pressure and, and you're not the, the building and the atmosphere and the excitement. Well, I think the same can be said kind of, you know, especially for teams that are – expected to do very well in the season and you're playing a very good opponent it can be easier maybe to start on the road too and I think that was part of the Lightning's first period too yeah I've always said that about NFL teams I've always uh, you know it's such a big deal opening day in the NFL or or certain you know teams I mean if you're playing obviously if you're playing 162 games in Major League Baseball it doesn't necessarily matter where you start but I think in football it does like you can get one on opening day there's a lot of expectations people come they think you should win they expect you to win all those things and um, you know it doesn't always happen. So um, you know at that point you're playing with house money if you if you can win one on the road. But um, a good opening night. Now they take the, the the weird thing about this. I mean five nights off after the first of all they had to wait like three days. Everybody yeah. else was playing. They were the last. The they were the, the two of the last. Openers. Yeah, they were two of the last teams to start the season because most of the teams yeah. had already played before Saturday night. And now and they you wait waiting five, five days? more days. Yeah, it's bizarre. That's not what hockey players want to do, right? They want to play right away, don't they? No, I can't imagine that the, the, they're happy about it. But like I said, at least. You're doing it after a win, not a loss. True. Yeah, but, they yeah I can't. Ima- I can't imagine point. they're happy because what this right. means is, look, if you started later and then you're waiting five days for your second game, it just means you're going to have a stretch coming up at some point where you're playing a lot of games in, in, a, in a short period of time, and you know because everyone's going to end the season at the same time. So exactly. Yeah, no, you're going to have a con- condensed schedule, and and, and uh, you'll remember. <laughs> do we really need all five days? Could we add a couple? <laughs> couple mixed in here now and then you know during these road trips or whatnot but anyway they get the big win and everybody goes home happy at least I think if you're a Tampa Bay fan you did and maybe Florida too got a point out of it so um it was a uh it it was a great uh, and Tyler Johnson did not play he's uh still uh, kind of day-to-day and um dealing with uh injuries so he did not play Uh, but as Mm -hmm. you said Matthew Joseph I thought looked really good I thought Corey Conacher played pretty well Mm -hmm. Uh, Adam Ernie had did, did some good things on the ice there too so some right. a lot of the young guys doing pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I just you know you just like would have liked to have seen more from from Kucherov. Obviously, a, a goal would have been good, or Stamkos do some things. But to your point, um, a lot of those guys, you know, they're not on the ice during penalty kill, and that was pretty much the first half of the third period. So, um, but they got the win, and uh, again, that's one Tampa Bay team that's uh, that's happy during their five days off. I know another Tampa Bay team that's still stewing about uh, their six days off, which will end. 
uh, this morning as the Bucks go back to work at one buck place. And I imagine that Mike Smith and Dirk Cutter have spent some time during this bye week uh, probably looking at their own film, the four games that they've played, and figuring out what the hell have we been doing on defense. You mean they didn't just take some time off to the Bahamas or something? Well, not all of them. Um, probably a few people did. I mean, I don't know about the coaching staff. No, I'm probably saying, worked I'm until the coaches what I'm Friday. Talking, I'm talking the coaches. Yeah, they would have worked all week until about Friday. I think they did. Actually, I do think they probably got some time away. Oh, I hope they um, did. Because this is all they have, too. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, it's so funny. I want to just address this because as soon as, as, soon as the bye week started, um, of course, everybody was all, you know, just, you know, in lathered up about their horrible performance in Chicago, and rightfully so. I mean, that was – one of the more embarrassing um, games I've ever witnessed, and I've been doing this a long time, and I'm talking about teams that never had a chance to win. You don't want to ever put that on tape. You know, like that is not that is not professional football. I mean, what they did in many instances, just turning guys loose time and time and time again, um, especially on defense. And I went back and watched the the network broadcast, which I'm not really, you know, we're not really watching because uh, we're there live. And so – um, you know, we have we have replay and we have the TVs, but we don't hear the sound a lot. And I, I didn't realize um, during that game just how I wrote about this, but I didn't realize during the game how much Jason Pierre-Paul uh, got on his teammates, you know, and, and he said it after the game too. Like that was the most, you know, sort of the most embarrassed he's ever been in the nine years he's played in the NFL. Um, but, you know, I, I think that We'll see when we go, you know, see them back at work today. Uh, it, it probably won't be that obvious what changes, if any, they're going to make. But there were certain guys, when you go back and watch that game, I mean, Brent Grimes, really? You know, it, it, I wouldn't want that on tape if I'm Brent Grimes. He, he seemed not interested in tackling anybody, okay? He just looked like he was escorting somebody to the prom out of bounds every time somebody was on his side of the field. It was just, you know, and he ended up getting benched. And, and yes, it was a benching, folks. There was a reason they took him out. Um, and played Ryan Smith. It wasn't to get Ryan Smith reps. You know, this was not like putting Jameis Winston in for Ryan Fitzpatrick because he needed the work. Um, Brent Grimes did not seem interested in playing in that game. And they had all kinds of coverage bust, and it was at the mid-level, double moves by running backs on linebackers. It was everywhere. Um, it was pathetic. So they have a lot to work to do. I've always wondered, though, like if I'm a head coach, I think I'm watching football on Sunday, and I think I'm watching the other games. Because you don't get a chance to really see it from a broadcast standpoint. Not that the broadcasters are going to tell you anything. They want to watch you all 22. I get all that. But just to kind of get an idea for, like, you know, you should turn on the red zone and see how these games are won and how they're lost. And most of them are lost um, more than they're won by just mistakes and whatnot. But it had to be a brutal day because it looked so promising. I mean, the New York Giants have been scuffling for so long, you know, and then Odell Beckham comes out. And this is going to be a big story today uh, and was yesterday as him coming out talking about Eli and, you know, I don't know. I, I would be nice to get, you know, a ball over the top once in a while and, um, you know, just kind of trashing his quarterback. And, you know, he's not in a good place with his head coach who, who after the game you know, wouldn't address it but said they had as a team and he disagreed with everything the guy said. But Odell had kind of a mixed, mixed game. He did some things obviously as a receiver, but – the Giants finally scored 30 points. They hadn't done this for like 30-something games. And they've got, they've got the lead, and it, it, it's got to be agonizing for Bucks fans to watch the Panthers drive down there, and they get them stopped. And the only, the only chance they have is to attempt, attempt a 63-yard field goal. Now, come on. Really? 63 yards? I saw Matt Bryan hit that one years ago against the Philadelphia Eagles. 
into a you know with with a giant breeze at his back, um, and it barely got all the goalposts, and it was became Matt Bryant day the next day, um, and that was a bad Bucks team. Graham Gano hit this thing would have been good from seventy, I think, and and they win the game on that field goal, and they go to four and one. The Panthers do. Yeah, it's uh, you know look, we've always said the NFC South is the toughest division. You know, now you got the Panthers at uh, the Panthers are three and one. Actually, they had a bye last week. Or three and one. So they're three right. and yeah, one. I'm the sorry. Saints are three and one. They're going to play tonight on Monday night. And then the Bucks yep, are they two got and Washington two. at yep. home. Yep, and the Bucks are two and two, and the Falcons now one and four. The Falcons are the surprise team there. I mean, the fact that Carolina and New Orleans are doing well isn't necessarily a surprise. Uh, no, but the Falcons being one and four, no one really saw that coming. I actually thought they would win the division. I thought the Falcons had the best team coming back. I mean, I know New Orleans was was really good last year, and they are again. But after watching the Bucks beat them, you know, in New Orleans, giving up 48 points, they scored 40. We seem to forget that. But, that, you know, um, that's the only loss they have. And that, that that's in the Bucks' favor, that they're the team that, have, that has taken down New Orleans, and they did it on the road if they could get, you know, start winning again. Um, but, yeah, the, Atlanta, I think what Atlanta's problem predominantly has been is that, you know, they lost their best linebacker and, and Keanu Neal, their safety, and their defense is just not very good. I mean, they just can't stop anybody. And, you know, Ben and those guys, Roethlisberger did not play a great game, but they played well enough. They made enough plays. And then there was a turnover, sack, fumble, scoop, score, touchdown, that kind of thing. And and then you find yourself at one and four. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, the Bucks aren't in the worst position. I mean, it's obviously very early in the first quarter of the season, but they are just, you know, at least uh, from a loss standpoint, just one loss uh, behind Carolina and uh, and New Orleans as we enter Monday Night Football. So, um, but yeah, there was there was a lot of crazy games. I mean, how about the Packers? How about their kicker missing what four field goals and an extra point? Is he going to be their kicker anymore? Can you call him their kicker? I don't know. I mean, he has you know he has been for years. I mean, I I don't know that you're going to have a job on Monday when that happens. You know, it, but it was it's epidemic throughout the league again. That was I'm in a dome you. too. That's in a dome. Oh, I know. No, and look, he he was he was left, right, left. I mean, there was no common thread here. It was uh, extra points, field goals, long field goals, short field goals, field goals, anything. You know, it was brutal. And with with the eleven points that he left on the board, they they probably could have won that game. But uh, Detroit, you know, just. Uh, to sort of own them because of that, and they got way behind. Aaron Rodgers tried to bring him back. They couldn't do it. Yeah, so because of Mason Crosby and, and his five missed kicks, now the Packers are in a bad way in that division. The NFC North, the Chicago Bears look like uh, they're in a good shape. Minnesota goes into Philadelphia, and they beat the Eagles, and the Eagles suddenly have trouble on their offensive line. They're getting Carson Wentz hit way too much. Uh, he's held up, but – um, struggling after their Super Bowl victory, and it's you know it's never the same year, and that's that's kind of the lesson here. You just you can't look at a schedule, you can't look at last season. You don't know from year to year. But the one thing that was evident is uh, I've never seen kicking this this poor. I mean, it seems as if every game um, is about misses. You know what I mean? And even even the Cleveland Browns who managed to win. <laughs> Uh, and looked like they were headed for another I was, tie. I was hoping for two. I don't know if any NFL team has ever had two ties in a season, or at least not in recent era. Uh, that would have been fantastic. Oh, they were there, and and you know they they managed to drive down there, and uh, and the kid from I think he's from FAU. Um, when I say this ball barely got over, I mean he hit he hit a knuckler that just just got over the uh, 
the crossbar. But you know, then of course he was mobbed, but it was a game winner. So uh, they managed to they managed to beat the Ravens and upset them. Who would have predicted so that, through five weeks that the AFC North has all five, four teams at five hundred or better? It's crazy, right? The Bengals lead at four and one. The Ravens at three and two, and the Browns and Steelers at two, two and one. Yeah, it's just it's just crazy. And uh, you know the the Bills beat the Titans, and and you know their luck runs out because the Titans have been winning these close, low scoring games. Marcus Mariota didn't look that great. I mean. There's a lot of bad football today <laughs> on Sunday. It was just – it was all over the map. But uh, the scores were, were mostly down. There was a lot of teams scored 30 points, but the scores were mostly down, I thought. Oh, and by the um, way, two yeah. weeks ago when New England was two games behind the Dolphins of the division and everyone was writing them yeah. off as dead, yeah, they're tied now. <laughs> yeah. They're not dead. Come on. <laughs> Tom Brady's going to win. We know this. We're never going to be in the championship game. I mean, they got Edelman back now. They got Josh Gordon's going good again. And, you know, I mean – TB12 is going to keep that team in it, no doubt about it, and Belichick and all those guys. So, yeah, that was – their demise is always exaggerated, especially in September. Um, and so now that we're in October, and, of course, it'll only get better from here. The Rams had a, uh, had a, had a game I thought they were going to lose, and then, you know, Seattle uh, winds up losing that game. You know, I thought it was a, kind of a gutty move on fourth and one to just end the game right there. They go for it. The Rams – get the first down and game over. Seattle never gets the ball back with about a minute and 30 to go. Rams are three I mean, games up in that division now. Yeah. No, that's over. I mean, look, the Rams are the best team I've seen. I mean, I think them in Kansas City, and again, everybody predicted maybe maybe this would be the week that Kansas City met their match with Jacksonville and their defense, and all they did, Blake Bortles turned into Blake Bortles again, and it was Kansas City's defense that – Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Ended up scoring, and you know they they got up to a twenty to nothing lead, and just kind of cruised from there. So Kansas City's now five and zero. Oh. We've seen Andy Reid's team do this before, but I think it's a little different, or feels a little different the way they're getting it done. Um, so yeah, there's there's a couple undefeated teams. I mean, obviously with Kansas City and the Rams going really really well, and then of course a big weekend, Steve, in college football. I don't know how much of these games you managed to see. Uh, I I saw enough of Florida in their win over LSU to know that Dan Mullen has this thing going in the right direction and quickly. Now, they're not a work of art on offense yet. Um, you know, they, they still got some, some work to do, obviously, there. Um, but they ran the ball very well. They were physical. You know, and LSU is a very always a physical football team, always a fast. They had great athletes. And I thought that they, they, they sort of handled them, particularly on defense. That front seven of Florida is no joke. Those guys can play. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you know, as much as everyone after the first week or two were writing Dan Mullen off in this season for Florida, you know, kudos to him and the team for turning it around. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it all – I mean, look, that defense has been legit for years. They've just never been able to figure out the offense under Will Muschamp and Jim McElwain. Um, and I, th- I think Dan Mullen's got it going in the right direction. And, I, you know, I, look, I think Florida's probably the second-best team in the East. They're not going to hang with Georgia. They probably won't be Georgia, no. no. You know, maybe Kentucky is – 
the other, you know, they're pretty good. And they, you know, obviously they beat Florida for the first time in 31 seasons. Kentucky could be the other team that you talk about, although they just got beat by Texas A&M over the weekend. But, you know, Florida's definitely moving in the right direction. You know, it's that, it's that overreaction Monday bit that, you know, we talk about in the NFL all the time. And, you know, after a week or two at Florida, you know, the first two games under Dan Mullen, everyone's, you know, oh, my gosh, this is awful and horrible. And, you, you know, you got to give them time. You got, you know, coaches need time to turn things around. Well, they lost to Kentucky, but Kentucky turns out to be a pretty damn good team. Absolutely. I mean, so, you know, they, they also beat uh, – what they, they've beaten some good teams. They beat Mississippi State as well, mm-hmm. um, which, was, which was supposed to be thought to be a pretty good team. But this, this Voshan Joseph, uh, what a game this guy played. He had 14 tackles, he had three and a half for loss, and two sacks. <laughs> I mean, he was uh, – and he was up and down during the game with a bunch of nagging injuries and things. Uh, that were going on with him, but uh, Felipe Franks played well enough. I mean, he didn't have a didn't have a huge day throwing the football, but when he needed when they needed a big play, um, he came up with it. He was twelve of twenty seven mm-hmm. passing. Uh, they had a little gadget play in there where he caught a fifteen yard pass. That was a little Mullen magic there from the old ball coach. Uh, reminds you of the old days. And then you know they ran the ball. They ran mm-hmm. it with uh, Lamichael Perrine and. Uh, and, and Jordan Scarlett, or, or yeah, Jordan Scarlett. And mm-hmm. um, if you're able to control the line of scrimmage the way they were, you're going to win a lot of football yeah. games. I just thought they looked like Florida. You know what's cool about it? Of course, you knew they weren't going to lose on Tim Tebow. I yet. was just going to say mean, that. Tim, yes, yes. Tim Tebow had his. He was going to will him to win, even if he's not on the field. Absolutely. I mean, Tim Tebow isn't going to ever lose when Tim Tebow is at Florida Field. It doesn't matter if he's playing or not. Like you said, I was born a Gator. I played as a Gator. I'm going to die as a Gator. And those folks love him. So you can't lose on Tim Tebow Day. Um, and they didn't, but it had, I mean, look, that place is electric when there's a big SEC game. Mm -hmm. This was a big SEC game. This was the big game, national TV, the whole deal. And these, you know, I mean, LSU came in ranked five in the country. Um, and so, you know, you had two, two ranked teams, obviously. Uh, and it, it had that, you have not heard that sound. I was, I was reading Martin Fenley. I was just going to comment Martin's column. Yeah, how he said he goes, man. That is that is something that is not that sound has not been there at Florida Field, you know, since Tebow played, and that's that's a very long time. So if you're a Gator fan right now, you have to feel really good about you know them playing big SEC games at home against against you know top five opponents and taking them down and doing it you know dramatically, um, and uh, and and not in a not in a uh, you know, not in a sort of a fluke way. I mean, this was this was power football. This was, you know, tackle football. You were you were being more physical than them. You were making more plays on defense and offense. It was it was good ball. So um, they had to be excited. On the other hand, if you're a Florida State fan, Steve, how do you feel about this? Here's the good news: Miami, you had them. You were up twenty. You know, for all the struggles you've had against bad teams and all that sort of thing, and, you know, Willie Taggart's offense. And, well, here you had them. You had Miami, which would have been one of the biggest upsets in college football, 14-point underdog to the Hurricanes on the road down there in Miami, and then you let it go. <laughs> you lose the biggest comeback in that series history. Oh. Yeah, that was that's, that's going to sting. And, and, you know, look, it's way too early to, to judge how Willie Taggart's going to do at Florida State. You can't do anything that's true. in one year. As That's much true. as fans want to, you know, this is awful and horrible, and you know, you can't judge him in one year. But you, you know, and it's 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 bad to lose a twenty point lead, especially to a rival. 
mm-hmm. in, in a big game like that. But at the same time, look, you're new to you're, it's, it, your first year in the program, whatever else. You've had you've had a struggle for the the first part of the season. You came out against Miami, who's a ranked team, and and you build a twenty point lead. So there's a lot to build off of from there, and a lot that they can, you know, you know, it's just you got to learn how to finish. Yeah, I mean you know, that's the key. When you're, when you're I mean, up twenty, you got to learn how to finish, and it, that's, that's it's, right. It takes all sides of the ball, from the offense to, you know, getting another couple first downs and milking some more clock to the defense making stops to, you know, it's it's all it's it's not just the defense that causes that, but you've got to learn how to finish, and and you know, I, I, look, I think Willie Taggart can do it. I think he'll be a success at Florida State, but you can't judge him in one year. And, and as much as fans think it's awful and and whatever else, you got to give him time. Well, I mean, you, you hope if you're a Willie Taggart fan, you hope he gets the time because I think the I think Florida State fans probably just getting really tired of this. I mean, they, he's ripping their hearts out now. I mean, again, twenty point lead at Miami, I would see progress, but you know, to see them lose in in that fashion is really I would say hard to I would digest. say two things to those who don't want him. There's one: are you willing to pay him to go away? And two: yeah, well, it's, who are you going to bring money, in? But yeah. Who are you going to bring in? Well, but I mean, look, if it's the fans, See, the, boosters, the, the boosters are ultimately going to pay him. So yeah, I, it is the boosters paying him. Yeah, no, I know that. But I mean, like the Joe fan. No, I mean, Joe fan, you know, no. But the, the Mr. Alumni, yeah, the, the ones that, that actually, you know, support the program are the ones that are going to be out millions of dollars if you were going to buy them out, which I don't, look, they're not going to do that after one year. I, I'm telling you, though, there is an expectation there. And I, again, I don't know, you can blame Jimbo, you can blame a lot of people, but they showed that they can hang. They had the athletes to hang with mm-hmm. Miami, and Miami's pretty damn good. Um, I don't think they're I, – I think they may be a little tad overrated. I don't – you know, they kind of collapsed at the end of last year. They, they I, I think they were overrated last year too. I think they had a you know yeah. great run, and then at the end of the season kind of showed that they're not quite there yet, and I think Mark Rick's right. getting, them, getting them there, but they're not there yet. They're not there yet. They've just switched quarterbacks, and, and you know, uh, this kid's just learning kind of to play – on a week in week out basis, but um, but man, you know what? A, let's reverse it and say, had Willie won that game in that fashion, and he taken down Miami down there um, and and maintained some of that twenty point lead, that that would have been a boost that they really needed, and they didn't get it. There were a lot of other you know outstanding games, Texas, Oklahoma. I mean, Texas gives up a big lead and then winds up winning on a field goal by a eighteen year old freshman, and you know. Um, so that was dramatic. Good, good games all the way around. And then South Florida, of course, right here in Tampa Bay. Let's not forget them. They get a school record, 302 rushing yards from Jordan Cronkite. They beat a UMass team that is not very good, to say the least, but uh, and wound up getting giving up 42. This was they had a big lead in this game, but they went 58, 42, and of course that's a school record. So you got three teams in the act, Steve, that are now undefeated. Yeah, USF, UCF, and my alma mater, the Cincinnati Bearcats, are already bowl eligible. They're going bowling this year. They're going bowling, and, they, and they're going to have a big six bowl, too. Yeah, Luke, Fick, um, Luke Fickle's done a tremendous job there in the second season at Cincinnati. Former uh, interim head coach at Ohio State when Jim Tressel got uh, fired. Right. And then uh, was a defensive uh, line coach and defensive coordinator at Ohio State for years and played there, too. But. Hey man, if you're in Ohio and you can recruit, keep some guys in Cincinnati. You should be okay. So um, yeah. whatever he's doing. And how about Notre working. Dame uh, beating Virginia Tech? Kind of, it was a close game at the half. And then they kind of routed them in the oh, second. They destroyed half. them. Yeah. Notre Dame six and zero, and they don't play another ranked team on the schedule. Notre Dame could very likely be one of those four teams. They're going to be twelve and zero, and they're going to make. I mean, the the only conceivable way they don't make the playoff at twelve and zero. Ohio State, Clemson. And the SEC winners undefeated. 
And the SEC runner-up right. is is twelve and one. Twelve and one with the loss in the championship yeah, game. Yeah, that's Alabama. Georgia Alabama basically. And yeah. one of those is thirteen and zero. One's twelve and one. Right. That's and the I only way Notre Dame conceivably can't make the playoff. Although right. no, I think they I might think even right. put them in at that point because it's Notre Dame. It's Notre Dame, and you know the schedule and all that. Um, I, I'll say this, and I, I look. I've watched enough college football this year and enough of Alabama. No one's beating Alabama. It's just not. I mean, I, I'll be stunned if, 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 if any of those teams we just mentioned, Georgia, Clemson, uh, Notre Dame, any of them can take down the Crimson Tide this year. They are as strong as I think they've been in years. I mean, when, when, when Nick Saban is yelling at, at the students for not coming to see them play Louisiana Which, by the Lafayette. Way, by the way, the schedule way. better games. That's what I. That's what schedule exactly better what games. I say. Schedule better Absolutely. games. Absolutely, absolutely. Don't look, expect look, if they're, they're not. If they're not showing. If they're not showing up when, I don't know. Let's say Tennessee comes to town. Okay, right. I can get that. I mean, even though Tennessee's down, but I can but understand that. Game. Don't complain yeah. about Louisiana Lafayette. Schedule better games. I totally agree with that. I totally. I mean, he's looking for things to complain about at this point. I mean, you know, your program is on auto drive. When the when the well, the worst thing you have to say is that he said two things. One, stop talking about our players like they're great. I'm tired of reading all these good stories about our players. That was the first thing he had to say, and I'm paraphrasing. And the other one was, why are you students so spoiled that you wouldn't even come to these games? You know, you you know we got the best players, and you and these guys deserve for you to go out there and watch us score fifty six on schedule better opponents. Every. Schedule better opponents. Totally agree. Period. Totally agree. You don't have to play those teams, and if you play somebody that's that's uh, credible, you probably wouldn't have that problem. Anyway, let's wrap it up with this. Uh, Major League Baseball playoffs, what do you like? I'm going to say this. I think the Milwaukee Brewers are the Chicago Cubs of a few years ago. I don't think they can be stopped. I I, I won't go that far, but I think they're going to win the National League for certain. Um, mm-hmm. I think the Rockies look tired. Um, yep. You know, they you know battling down the stretch, and then the wild card game, or the game 163, they know the um, – yeah, then the wild card game and all that. That they just look tired. Uh, but the Brewers mm-hmm. are a, a phenomenal team. I think the Dodgers are going to take care of the Braves. Uh, as we're taping this right now, the Braves are leading in the seventh inning, six to five. Um, right. So the Braves may you know force a game four tomorrow afternoon. But sure. Um, you know the Yankees Red Sox series. You know now that now that New York took a game in Boston. Take Oof. your take your pick. Who you think is going to win that series? David Price, pick up your legacy as you can't pitch in the postseason. My goodness, yeah. In the Astros Indian series, that's a fun. That's a fun series. I, I think those are, I think those are two really good teams. I think the Astros yep. are the better team, um, and, and the record would tell you that too. But you know, I still think I, think I still, think that, I still that. think that Astros pitching staff. I, I I don't I still don't see Boston getting by that, that staff in a seven game series. I was going to say I, I don't, don't think I don't think anybody's beating the winner of that series. I think whoever wins the Astros uh, Indian series that they're going to go on and and be in the World Series. Yeah, I mean I I think I think either one of those teams take New York down no problem. I think Boston Cleveland could be a, an interesting series. Yeah, it's just that Boston has to do it with their starting pitching. Sale went yeah. 5, he looked good, but he's not he's not the Chris Sale that he was at the beginning of the year. I I just don't know. I I I almost I almost feel like the Yankees could have the upper hand now in that series over Boston. They may have the upper hand in the series. I just don't think the Yankees can take down Cleveland or Houston. I don't, I don't have, either. I don't think they have enough pitch. I mean, they got enough bullpen. I don't either. They don't have enough starting pitching to take them down. Exactly. Yeah, and I, I think, like I said, I think whoever wins that Houston series is going to go to the World Series, and I think they're going to play the Milwaukee Brewers. 
That's just the way it feels. So it could be Houston versus Milwaukee. Houston representing the AL, the former NL team. Milwaukee representing the NL, the former AL team. That's right. It's so confusing. I know it's it's uh, up is down, but uh, that's so. That's the way so since they've both been in AL, which ones gets the DH? Which one doesn't? Uh, I'm confused. <laughs> I know. I still think of I Houston know. in the National League. I don't. It's, it's. I do too. I was trying to have. I had this conversation. Okay, so when they were in the National League, what was the division they were in? Yeah, for years, of course, the Astros were in the National League West with the Reds and the Dodgers and the Giants and that. When they realigned the the teams, when there were 16 National League teams and 14 American League teams, Houston was in the NL Central. There was actually six teams in that NL Central. It was the one division of baseball that had six teams. You had the Cardinals, the Cubs, the Reds, the Brewers, Pirates, all current NL Central teams, and then the Astros were a part of that too. Right. It's, it is going to be odd because of, of Milwaukee, obviously, uh, switching over too, so... Um, but those are the, those are the teams I got. I think they're the best that I've seen so far, and, and uh, there's still plenty of playoffs to go. One other thing, uh, as we wrap this up about Major League Baseball, I don't know if you've had a chance to read sort of what's going on uh, in Chicago. Of course, certainly after the the Cubs lost out and they had a chance to win the division. When well, when I was in Chicago and the Bucks were playing up there, they needed one more game. They could have won the division over Milwaukee. They didn't get that done. Uh, then they had the wild card. They lost. You know, then and Theo Epstein came out the next day and said. You know, this was unacceptable, even though they won what, like 90-something games um, that, uh, you know, he didn't want to be done playing on October 1st and that the team did not have enough urgency. And he's kind of carried this theme along. Now, he did he did say uh, a couple things. One, that Joe Madden, who's in the last year of his contract, and he will be 65 before next season starts, um, you know, that they're, they're not going to extend it. This is not something that uh, – that they're looking to do right now, although he's fine with Joe managing the team next season. At least that's sort of the way they left it at the end of the year press conference. But but the the more you read about it, and David Haw had a had a really good column in the Chicago Tribune about how, you know, if you listen to Theo and what he's saying, even though he said he, he's okay with Joe managing, Joe is not that guy that is going to instill the urgency that he's talking about. I mean, Joe, um, you know, it was all – and it, and it worked. Look, he's won, I think, 90 games ever since he's been there, but in a World Series, which, you know, wasn't a small thing for the Cubs, obviously. But he's always been the guy that's about don't let the, you know, sort of don't let the pleasure outweigh the process or whatever it is, whatever his phrases are. You know, two out of three ain't bad. Let's meatloaf a team. It's okay. We won two out of three. And, and what Theo is saying, no, the game on April 2nd means as much as, you know, the game that we just played in October. Uh, or the last day of September, uh, and he wants to see more urgency. So you wonder, you know, what happens to the dress-up road trips and taking the pressure off the players and, ah, well, you know, don't worry. What, us us panic? Why would we panic? That doesn't seem like Joe to me. So what? how does that marry up to what, what Epstein's talking about? It's going to be that's, – that's a criticism Bobby Cox used to get all the time in Atlanta, not necessarily from, right. from the brass in Atlanta. I think Sherholtz was, you know, absolutely on, in, on the same page with Bobby Cox. But and I had a chance to work with Bobby and work with the Braves for for a season or two. Um, you know, he was that he. I've always said he and Joe Madden are very similar. Not, mm-hmm. Joe's a little more eccentric and and that kind of stuff. The players, the you know, the the dress up trips and things like that. But in the way they manage that, it's always about the players. I'll always take the mm-hmm. heat off the players. Right. Put the heat on me. Put the praise on the players. Um, nothing's you know. It's just one game. We'll get them tomorrow. Nothing ever phases them. At right. least publicly, um, you know, they're they're. It's always public praise for the players, and anything criticism is in private. Um, 
you know, it, it's it's they're very similar in that way. And Bobby Cox used to get that criticism all the time in Atlanta. I mean, he won 14 straight division championships in one World Series. Mm-hmm. And some will say he was a failure at that because he only won one World Series. I disagree, but you know, I think I think a lot of today's society is becoming more of that. Every game's got to be urgent, and I, I think it's driven that way. But I also think you're going to run through a ton of managers because the managers are going to wear the players out. Yeah. Well, and there are some that think that, you know, I mean, this happened with the Rays, too, that, that Joe Joe's message is really good for a young team when you're trying to take the pressure off guys mm-hmm. who are coming in the major leagues, uh, learning how to win uh, when it's new and it's fresh, and it, and it certainly worked for him to win the World Series. Um, but then after that, I think I think Epstein felt like, you know, it's not enough to know that we have a good ball club and to know that when we show up every day we should win or have a really good chance to win. You got to actually then, you know, apply to some urgency to that on top of it. So, um, but you know, they don't have. I mean, on their team, they didn't have like the David Ross type players the last couple of years. I mean, these guys are still relatively young players, and mm-hmm. every year is different. You have injuries, you have things that go on. Some people thought that that Madden actually did well for some of the, you know, some of the big holes that they had in that team this year. Um, well, I think and, and sometimes yet, it gets lost that. Because you don't yell and scream or call out players that you're not urgent. That's right. That's right. And I think there's a there's a you know there's a difference in urgent. There's a difference in panicking or yelling and screaming. I I think you can be urgent without doing that. Sure. That sure. Just, be, just because I, I just because publicly in the press you're saying oh we'll meet low from two out of three doesn't mean you're not telling your team you want to win all three. No, that's absolutely true. And I and I think that that Joe has has often you know been criticized. I mean it, it's it's sort of like you know. He wears people out with some of his sayings, and 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 so he's so he's so relaxed. And but but as a look as a player, like I and I didn't play at that level. I get it. But there there could be nothing better than a guy in a failure sport who really keeps it process oriented to where you're not you're not focused completely mm-hmm. on every result because you will drive yourself nuts when you go for four and you hit the ball hard three times and have nothing to show for it. That's how you start to press. And Joe's the guy that would take the pressure off of you. And as young guys come to the major leagues and, and try to figure out how to be consistent, he's that guy that, that is perfect for most ball clubs. I, I couldn't imagine wanting to play for somebody more than Joe Madden, and I think he's going to be a Hall of Fame manager um, one day. I don't know, and I don't know if he plans on managing beyond 65. But it seems like they put him in kind of a funny position here because Theo wants somebody to show a lot of urgency, and that is not Madden style. It and just and I, not. he's not going to change at 65. And, no. And you know Joe a little better than I do, but I, you know, I know him a little bit. He's not going to change. He's going to be no. who he is, and if the Cubs don't want him, he'll go somewhere else or he'll go, go someplace or retire. Else. And, I mean, you know. Yeah, or, or, or this could be it. And I, don't, I haven't talked. I don't know what his plans are, you know, once this the Cubs contract was over. I don't know if he planned on extending that and exceeding that or he would have an interest in going to another team. I don't know. He'll be 65 before the season started. Like I said, he's a young He's a young 65, but um, nonetheless, uh, it, it's just – it's a weird – Chicago's a weird town, and it's funny because they love – they love they love their coaches. They love – you know, it's Phil Jackson and Mike Ditka, and, and I think Madden has ingratiated himself forever for having won a World Series. Some would say even in spite of some of the moves he made uh, in that World Series, but um, nonetheless, it's just uh, it's just drama, drama with, uh, with Joe Ma. So, anyway um, – that's that's kind of a Chicago sports angle, but it is it is baseball and it is. I think sometimes the Cubs forget they won 108 years without a World Series. <laughs> no, the way they, you know what? You win one, you got to have more. You got to have more, and you got to have them right now. So 
that's the way it goes. All right, so I'll be back at One Buck Place today. Uh, the Bucks have an early workout. It's uh, kind of like you know making sure everybody gets back into town and um, they'll run around a little bit out there and um, they'll do some things. Uh, and then we'll have an open locker room. We'll talk to Dirk Cutter and see what changes, if any, he wants to tell us he made on defense with Mike Smith. And then, of course, during the week we'll have a chance to talk to Mike Smith. Jameis Winston makes his return. He will start against the Atlanta Falcons uh, next Sunday. So that's something to look forward to, to see if Jameis can uh, can get them going and keep the Falcons spiraling downward as they are at 1-4. and four. Uh, That suddenly looks like an interesting game and one that, who knows, maybe the Bucks, if they can hold Julio Jones under 256, they could win. They've had some good games and some really bad games up there against the Falcons. And so we're talking about that. The Tampa Bay Lightning at some point will be back in action, right? Yeah, at some point. I think, you know, three weeks from Thursday maybe. Or no. <laughs> actually, this Thursday. They actually opened with a five-game homestand. Just it's a long extended homestand because just of you know, time out. off in between. But Vancouver's in town on Thursday. Then the Blue Jackets and John Totorella's in town Saturday. And then next week it's the Hurricanes and the Red Wings before they go out on their first road trip. So. That's right. And so we'll have lots to also talk to Matt Baker this week and get you set for college football uh, over the weekend. I know uh, got a big game. We should, you know, my wife should have a bet with you. Of course, uh, the big house, Wisconsin is. Yeah, night game in Ann Arbor. They don't get too many of those. It's only like the fourth or fifth one. Game day is there. Game day is there, too. College game day. Yeah, so uh, Wisconsin and uh, Michigan. I don't know if either t- – it may be a 0-0 game going to the fourth quarter. I mean, <laughs> neither offenses well, are that impressive, and their defenses yeah. are both very good. So It's a battle of two bad quarterbacks, if you ask me. But Michigan seems to be improving, but I think some of that is just the level of competition they're playing. Yeah. yeah. I Although Northwestern, too- Northwestern went into East Lansing and beat Michigan State, so Michigan had just That's beat them true. the week before. So Yeah, Big Ten's weird. And it's Ohio State and everybody else again. Uh, pretty much, yeah. Um, I mean, Penn State had their shot. Oh, they had it. They had yeah. the shot to take down Ohio State. Yeah, one of the worst calls I've ever seen on offense. But that's why they're not elite, and uh, they want to be. So, anyway, lots to talk about uh, this week. We're glad you're here. We're here every Monday through Friday, of course. And uh, we appreciate uh, everybody listening, and this this podcast is growing. The important thing is, though, uh, is for you to to support our sponsors, especially – Andy at Continental Wholesale Diamonds, who has been with us from the beginning, he's going to give our listeners 20% off. Go in there, see Andy, tell me you listen to Sports Day Tampa Bay. Anything that you're interested in buying, any diamond, he'll help you out with that, and you get 20% off all jewelry. That is a remarkable When Their prices are already so low, you're not going to believe it. So do yourself a, fan, a favor and go see Andy at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. By the way, no, I'm sorry. And I, because I'm counting down with my kids who are very young. We're only 11 weeks till Christmas. That's true? It's 11 wow. weeks this Tuesday till Christmas. We're less than well, 80 days, so. Yeah, well, get in there because before you know it, it'll be here and, and, and you don't want to be that, that yeah, last you don't, minute. Yeah, you don't want to be last minute when it's coming to a purchase like this. You want to you have time to go in there and talk to Andy and, and really get, get the ring or the, the jewelry you actually want. Yeah, and a lot of people, you know, they get engaged on Christmas Eve. I mean, Absolutely. that's a big deal. I think Tom Jones got married on Christmas Eve. Or even Eve, Thanksgiving, you may be doing thinking then, too. So Absolutely. Holidays, yeah. Yeah, I 11 mean, yeah. weeks till Christmas. Believe that. Wow. Well. That's crazy. Just got my Halloween uh, Just got my Halloween stuff outside, too, today. The kids were all fired up about decorating. You know, this never used to be a thing. We can get into that one other yeah. day, but I, I didn't know you had to Did you dress up? Do you have a costume? 
No, I'm not doing that. I mean, I they, they want me to. We'll talk about that on the next podcast. <laughs> this is this is not my favorite holiday, and I don't know when it became about adults and not just children. But this is something that has happened in my lifetime too. Now it's now it's everybody's holiday, uh, almost like Christmas is, which you know is another is another story for another time. Anyway, <laughs> thanks for listening. Again, I'm still Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. He's Steve Versnick. Have a great Monday, everybody. We will talk to you tomorrow.